Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. Which means we're back. Another episode of Peak Speak. Trying to find some momentum again. Yes, it's not always easy, this uh, scheduling time to sit here and talk to you while you've also got things to do. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with this microphone. I'm trying to find a like a good spot for it to sit and I just it's all over the place. So if you get some weird like scratching noises in my audio, I apologize. I don't really, but you know. That's all right. If it I shits to apologize. Sam Sam can work his magic. I just realized I haven't actually looked at our stats in ages. We're just just under 220k downloads. So thank you, wonderful listener, for listening yes. to us 200,000 times. It's a lot of times. It is a lot of times. It always makes me a little bit confronted by the fact that so many fucking people have listened to you and I just wonk on about powerlifting for so long. Yeah. Who'd have thought we'd get this far? Who would have? Uh, well, hopefully we pick up some momentum and uh, offer continue to offer insight where and when, when and where we can. Anyway, lads and ladettes, it is Father's Day in Australia, just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Manscaped's <laughs> performance package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. Does your dad use the same trimmer for his body and his face? Let's throw that out the window and give him the upgrade he deserves. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MANSCAPED at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Do you mean PEAKSPEAK? Yes. Use the code PEAKSPEAK. Don't use the code MANSCAPED. <laughs> it probably doesn't get you anything. 20% off. I would off, imagine not. <laughs> free shipping. MANSCAPED.com. Use the code PEAKSPEAK. Shake what your mama gave you. Nah. Shake what your daddy gave you. That's got to be one of the more uncomfortable ones for a while. <laughs> Anyway, uh, while you're at it, you should probably also be highly caffeinated from our good friends at Prism Coffee Co. Also using the code Manscaped, but not actually using the code <laughs> PeakSpeak at prismcoffeeco.com.au.com. I can never remember. Anyway, order their coffee. It's delicious. I don't know the last time I actually entered in a full web address. I either Google it or I've been to it before, <laughs> so I just type in the first few letters and then it comes up. My favorite thing to do is um, with companies that I don't feel good about is to deliberately click on the Google ad when you Google them, not on their like first ranked listing. Just like, oh, I just want to cost you three cents when I <laughs> click this link. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I don't yeah. know if it's as vindictive as it feels, but it always makes me feel like I'm cheating the system. Like, hey, I could have clicked it for free, but instead I'm clicking your ad. That's right. You put the power back in your hands. Yes, exactly. Stick, Although, having, stick it to having said that, I've had people like fill out a form and cost me $10 to put their fucking details into a Facebook ad form and then just never answer the phone. So, maybe <laughs> that's just karma. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um you had your annual women's only comp recently. Did yes. we talk about this last time? I have no idea. No, we, we, I don't think we were in the lead up to it because it hadn't happened yet. Yeah, I think we were we recording and I was smoking myself out. That's right. Yes, that's right. I um, f- Funny sidetrack smoking story. I took a piece of pork shoulder with me to the gym yesterday that I got real cheap uh, and just needed to be cooked before it went off. And... So I like stopped past Bunnings, got some heat beads because I was like, yeah, there's a Weber at the gym. I'll just like set it up and I don't have to think about it all day. I can just sit there. And then I got to the gym and realized, despite the fact that I own something like five or six Webers, none of them were at the gym. <laughs> and and I was like infuriated by that and didn't want to have to go home and get a Weber. So I ended up using the offset, which I've got at the gym, but with heat beads. And fuck me, it took a long time. <laughs> it like spent several yeah. hours at barely 100 degrees because they're just like, you know, it's made for fire, yeah, not heat beads. Yeah. So in the end, I... um. I ended up using like basically an entire bag of heat beads to um to get this thing to the right temperature and actually get it to cook and then still had to come home and finish it in the oven for a few hours because it just wasn't finished. <laughs> I like how the time cost of that long a cook would have been just solved by driving home and getting your smoker. Oh, your Weber. Yeah, but so I was at the gym anyway, right? And that drive home and back, like that's probably half an hour by the time I get it all together. I've got to convince the dog to get in the car and come with me and then come back again. It just wasn't (laughs) worth it. And so instead, I just spent all afternoon slightly frustrated by it. Um, But we got there in the end. Amazing. It's fun. Love it. Um, But yeah, we had ladies lifting not last weekend, weekend before. That was really good, man. We had 55 people, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, just a really fun day. I mean, it's like, I, I made the joke on the day, but there's something about less penises in a room for powerlifters that makes it a more enjoyable day. Um, cause it is just genuinely my favorite day of the year, uh, when it comes to comp stuff, it's always, the atmosphere is always really cool. There's, I think uh, often a higher percentage of first time lifters, because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of women who wouldn't do it otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, we had a really good day. Uh, a few of my lifters hit some PBs that they weren't really expecting because I had a few of my lifters who were just like doing it for the fun of it rather than doing it as a comp, um, which was good. Uh, so yeah, overall, a really successful day. Hmm. There's well, there's genuine statistics to prove that per capita, female powerlifters bring more spectators to meets than male competitors. Like the, yeah, right. The, that doesn't you- surprise me at all. USPA IPO has been collecting data on this for years and years and years, and that determines how they structure their their bigger meets. Um, in terms of so like, they put all the like the girls on the big days rather than the yeah yeah. I mean, like we've known this for years intuitively that it doesn't seem right to just go like lightest to heaviest female first male mm. after. It just it comps seem to be better when you mix things up, and a big part of it is the atmosphere because females bring more people. Because I find the same thing here when we run our annual female novice comp as well. There's just more people, more atmosphere. Um, I don't know if this is just me looking for it or if it's actually a thing. I feel like the competitors support each other a little bit more in terms of just screaming and yelling and carrying on and just making more noise. Like noise at powerlifting competitions is just, 
It's great. It's a pretty good indicator that something you're doing something right, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Glad it was a good yeah. day. It was, um, it was a good time. So, uh, last week we spoke about, or the week before, whenever it was, uh, we- Did we speak about or did we just complain about? We complained about <laughs> everything for a, an extended period of time, um, mainly about modern coaching, etc. cetera. Uh, and this week we're being the nurturing grandfathers and instead of being old men yelling at clouds, uh, we're going to be old men- sharing wisdom and, and basically shedding light on uh, some advice that we've learned over the years and continue to learn as people in this industry um, that have developed a profession out of coaching. Um, you know, much, much like I'm sure you are too, I am, uh, uh, the, the longer you do this, the more that you realize that if everyone grows together, we all grow, you know, like if, if yeah. you, if Rise you try and, and floats all boats. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. um, I feel like in our positions, there's almost an element of responsibility to, you know, uh, pass the buck and to, to provide advice for people coming up. And, uh, you know, anytime someone reaches out to me personally on Instagram or emails me or whatever, I try and give as much help and as much time as I, I can to help these people. So um, I wanted to make this episode a little bit more positive and, and talk about some of the, the, the key things that um, we can impart on newer or up and coming coaches to support them in their journey. Yeah. And I think this is always interesting because I've been reflecting not necessarily on this from the coaching standpoint, but from the training standpoint, I realized the other day that it's like either later this year, like in a couple of months or very early next year, I think I'll cross over 20 years of training. Uh, like I think I first picked up a barbell sometime between like 14 or 14 and a half. Uh, and so that's sort of, caused me to stop in my tracks for a minute and just kind of contemplate the fact that that means, you know, the, the longest relationship I've had voluntarily in my life is with a barbell, which is like both nice and also maybe a bit sad. Um, and, uh, like I've learned a lot in 20 years. This is, you know, it has, uh, been the biggest teacher I've got in my life. Like every, everything I know about who I am as a person, how I respond to stress and all of these other things has come from some form of training for something. Uh, and in reflecting on that and then carrying that over into the coaching thing, one of the interesting things is always the like, you know, what would you change or what would you do differently or what piece of advice would you have? And like, I've been asked that a bit and I've always kind of rejected the premise of the question because from my point of view, I wouldn't change anything. Like every decision I've made in this process has got me to where I am today. And there are lots of aspects of what I do right now and the developmental path that I feel like I'm on that continues to improve. And I continue to learn and I continue to get better and refine things and all of that stuff that I feel like if I didn't, hadn't gone through the shit for a little while, then I wouldn't have learned those lessons in a way that was as meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, Certainly one of those things that needs to be said up front in the coaching context as well, because I think there is an element of trying to learn everything before you do anything that can be really paralyzing because I think, you know, we can be so confronted by different people shouting from their respective rooftops about this is the way and this is the best tool to be using and and things like that. And I think you can very easily run into that problem of, trying to learn all of the stuff before ever actually doing anything. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to be said for that experimental 
you know, play-like approach to learning these things and, and trying new things and, and fucking up a few times, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you haven't hurt a client at some point because you made a bad decision, I'm not convinced you're as good of a coach as you could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and not through any malice or anything like that. It was never that I intended to hurt people, but I've done some things that was like, on, on reflection, I fucked up and that was probably my fault. Uh, and so I think there's a lot to be said for getting in and doing it as soon as you can and being okay with really kind of sucking at it. I like, uh, I was listening to uh, Pat Davidson and Mike Isratel on Pat's podcast the other day, which is a really great episode and I encourage people to listen to. Um, please ignore my cat shouting at me from the background. Uh, the- Do you have another baby? <laughs> no, I have the fucking loudest cat in the world. Um, she's going to come at this. It's going to get bad. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Pat was talking about uh, people getting caught up with this idea of um, in the fitness industry, people talk about tools all the time. That's going to get fucking annoying. Shut up, cat. She just narrates her life. Like, you know, it's like if you had a narrator for your life, oh, I am walking through the room now and I would like some food and here I am walking back again. Anyway, uh, so Pat was talking about this idea that in the fitness industry, we get caught up talking about tools all the time. So in like, you know, in a house building analogy, like are you a hammer guy or are you a saw guy? Uh, whereas the reality of it is, and to be really good at it, you probably need to focus on like, house plans and and designing better blueprints and stuff like that. And I think that's definitely a mistake I made early on was trying to get too caught up in learning different tools and different processes and people's opinions of how things should be done as opposed to understanding the principles of the process and then being able to create something from that. And it took me like fucking years to get to that point where I can look past methods and understand principles. I don't know if I could have done it any better if I'd learned the principles first. Like, mm. again, I feel like you you can potentially uh, lack the understanding, like the deep understanding of those principles without having first tried the methods and kind of reverse engineered the principles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I think, the biggest thing from my point of view is like you, you've got to be in the trenches a little bit and you've got to be learning as quickly as you can but it shouldn't all be based on some other coach teaching you their coaching skills. It should be you coaching people and trying to get something out of that process. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's really important that you highlight that balance because there are a lot of people that will say, uh, will swing more to the education side of the pendulum, a lot more people that will swing towards the experience side of the pendulum. The reality is it's just a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Uh, it is it is so important to be like I, I don't know about you but I'm a I'm a doer you know I, I don't think I just do uh, did you so, write a did you write a business plan fuck no so <laughs> w- w- when I decided Trent I was, rang me and was like hey do you want to run PTC camera and I was like yep <laughs> and that was it <laughs> so my, my mine was very similar I was in a park uh, and I was just like uh, I was walking around and I'm just like you know what I'm gonna open a gym uh, and th- th- that was the decision. Like it was, it wasn't a well thought out. Can I do this? Who needs just like, impulse control? Yeah, but the, being being a sensible young adult, I was like, what do people with businesses do? Oh, they write a business plan. So I downloaded this business plan template and I wrote this business plan. I literally didn't open it again until like two years ago. I looked at it. I'm like, fuck. What was I thinking? Uh, but yeah. I, you know, like I, I'm not a planner. I'm just a doer, and I figure out things as as I go. And th- you know, there are mistakes. There are downfalls that come with that. Um, but it's definitely a combination of both like people who do 
miss out on some of the benefits of planning and people who plan too much never do anything. And so you, you do need a little bit of both and you have to throw yourself in the in the deep end a little bit. It's just about recognizing that there is something to learn, that there is always something to learn. So you don't do so much or proceed in a way that becomes, you know, a crippling in terms of feeling like you're not good enough or becoming crippling in terms of the fact that you're so blind to the fact that you're so cocky that you can't get any better. And, you know, you have to exist in this like space of I've got more to learn. There are people are ahead of me um, and they are my best source of inspiration, not my competition kind of thing. Um, and man, that is really hard to get past as well. Like that, I like, I still fucking struggle with that sometimes. Like seeing people who are like often good friends of mine, be like really successful or do something where I'm like, ah, like I'm working towards something similar. And like I, my visceral reaction is always first off, like just bitterness. Cause maybe I'm just deep down a real prick, but I like, I still have to fight against that urge to be like, Oh, fuck that guy for his success. Cause like, actually I genuinely love that all of my friends are being super successful and I'm really stoked to be surrounded by a bunch of incredible coaches that I can call on for just like advice or to talk shit about things with and ask questions about minute aspects of what they do and things like that. Like you are forever learning in this industry. And I think if you're not, and the the day you stop learning is the day you stop getting good clients and your business starts to go downhill real fast. But yeah, like it takes real, real work in order to, um, in order to actually progress beyond that point of that initial visceral reaction of jealousy or bitterness. Because in the end, as you said, like the rising tide floats all boats approach, you can say that to yourself a lot, but it's yeah. still really fucking hard to fight that urge to be like, mm, fuck those guys for doing that thing that I'm planning to do, but doing it quicker than I did or mm-hmm. maybe slightly fancier than I did or, you know, things like that. And like the reality is none of what we're doing is actually that new. Like, you know, we're not all changing the landscape of the industry in the way that we all think we might be. But mm-hmm. so much of this is about just putting your own spin on it and being able to tell good stories and do those sort of things. And I think, yeah, it's it's got to take some self-reflection. And I think that's probably my biggest piece of advice to to new coaches is make sure you are spending time reflecting on yourself as a person, but as a coach and as a professional and your strengths and weaknesses and things like that. Cause like you said, it's really easy to be, to be blind to just head down do or to be blind to the fact that you've spent 16 months planning something and not actually made any steps in the right direction. Mm. And that self-reflection is so important because what it allows you to do is put your energy and effort into things you can control. You can't mm. control what everyone else is doing. You can't control the fact that X person has more clients than you or is advertising differently or has grown a bigger following on Instagram, whatever it is. You can't control any of that. All you can control is what you're doing. Um, and that self-reflective pro- process is going to be a really important part of that. It's so easy to, without even realizing it, put yourself in this imaginary race against everyone else. Yeah, And the second that you realize that there's no end to that race, like there's no finish line. And even if there was, there's no prizes, the the more relieved you'll become. Like you, you have to get there quickly. You have to realize that you're not in competition with anyone. No. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people to go around when it comes to, when it comes to coaching, we, you don't have to have this scarcity mindset. Um, but it's so easy to develop because it can be hard to, 
build your business. It can be hard to attract clients. And when you see other people doing it, you inherently think that there's something wrong with you as a person. And there's not anything wrong with you as a person. You probably just suck at business and that's okay. Yeah. You have to yeah. suck at business to get good at it. You have to suck at anything to get good at it. You know, people try yeah. one paid advertisement. People try posting three things and they're like, I'm not getting many clients. I'm not, I'm just, I, I'm not cut out for this. It's like, well, you probably are. You just have to do more of it. Mm. That's Man, literally yeah. it. It's, and, and I think this is actually, you know, this is a lesson I learned in, in parallel in the training environment, right? Because like the reality is as a powerlifter, I was pretty fucking mediocre uh, in the scheme of things, but getting into that sport from my point of view, at least having spent a lifetime playing team sports where the goal was always win. Uh, and I like, I've done my fair share of fucking losing playing team sports. I played for losing clubs for a long time. That was always a fun time. Oh my God, cat, go away. Uh, but the, the thing I, uh, that sort of drew me initially to powerlifting as a competitive outlet, being an incredibly competitive person was that it wasn't, I wasn't actually competing with anyone else. Like I enjoyed the competition side. I like being in a warm up room with you talking shit. I like going up against people that are my friends and I enjoy that, but it was never about that for me. That was the side effect of me competing with myself mm. and trying to be better than I was last time. And I think that's a skill that, I learned in powerlifting that I transferred into business mm. uh, because like you say, there is no race, you know, like watching you open 750 gyms because you're a sick psychopathic crazy person. <laughs> and, and like, there's always a moment where I'm like, mm, maybe that's what I should be doing. And I'm like, actually, I have no fucking desire to open more than one gym. That is just not something that I want to do. And, it's totally okay. And that like having that realization is hard, but having this experience of, hey, like just cause you hit a PB doesn't mean I can't hit a PB. And just cause you put X on your total doesn't mean I can't put X on my total or you beat me that time, but maybe I'll kick your ass next time. You know, like that, mm. I think that lesson's really powerful because it's something that expands beyond just the, the business side, right? Like it's into life and all of those sort of things. It's the, it's this idea of, as you say, ab abundance, not scarcity. Like there are, especially in the fitness industry, there's plenty of people sitting on their ass doing nothing. And there are plenty more people who are going to continue to sit on their ass doing nothing. And if you can convince a few of those to turn up and pay you a bit, then you can make a decent living. And it's just about being able to figure out, I think what that looks like for you and, and what success is, you know, I, I put up a post the other day about uh, getting the most out of your coaching investment. Right. And, and one of the things like one of the slides I put in speaking of fucking posts that you put up and gets no traction and it pisses you off. I fucking spent a long time putting that one together and it got fuck all traction and it infuriated me. Yeah, post, um, a, post a shirtless selfie and it gets a thousand yeah, times. Fucking infuriating. Um, <laughs> Although one of my reels recently picked up steam somewhere in India, which is yeah, weird. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the one of the slides in that was um, how do you define success? Because mm -hmm. I think that's a question that you have to continually be asking yourself from a training standpoint, but also really importantly, especially if you own your own business, you have to be able to define what success means to you. Because like success for me isn't just millions and millions of dollars in my bank account at the cost of everything else in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, one aspect of success is that tomorrow, instead of working for three days, I'm going to the beach for two nights with my son to go camping. Mm 
and mm. being in a position to have the flexibility to say, I'm not working for three days. I'm going to the beach to hang out with my kid. Mm. You know, and, and that's success for me. But that comes at a cost of other things. And I'm okay with that because I've worked through the process of defining this for me. But I think the more you can think on how you define success, and it, and it can change, right? Like success, it, your uh, guiding light can change over time. It can evolve as you evolve. And it probably should evolve because if it doesn't, then you're probably not growing as a person. But being able to sit and, and think seriously about what that means will then help you reverse engineer this process into something that you, makes you happy. Because like, spoiler alert, if you don't really fucking enjoy coaching people and the actual process, you will be shit at coaching people. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, there are easier jobs to hate and earn more money than coaching people for a living when you mm-hmm. don't like coaching people for a living. Absolutely. Know? And I like we know people who have left the fitness industry per- to pursue other careers, whether because they decided they didn't like it anymore or they came to a natural conclusion at the point at which they were happy to move on, doesn't actually matter. But if you don't really deeply enjoy this, then you will leave eventually and you'll probably just be fucking miserable for a while. So... Mm. For some of you, that might be a serious conversation with yourself about how actually being a professional coach is not what you want to do with your life. And that's okay too. Um, But I think being able to define success is definitely the first step in that process. I think it's huge. This idea of what success is, um, is, is so individual and it's so easy to be influenced by perceived success and then to make that your own ideal, you know, like, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I've I've lived this. I um, in 2016, I, my, my business was doing well, and I sort of made a pledge to myself that if it was doing this well by my next birthday, uh, that I would buy myself a new car. I'd buy myself one of the new Mustangs, and it it business was going really well, so I, I ended up doing that early. So I bought one of the brand new Mustangs. Um, and I never drove the thing. Like you can go through my Instagram. You won't find any, you know, proud post of me and my new car and you won't find, you know, I think I posted one story of that car once, um, maybe two. I, I never spoke about this thing cause I was, I was ashamed of it. I felt like mm. a poser driving around in it because that's not for me. That's not my idea of success. I mm. thought this is what successful people do. Therefore I should do this thing. And I did it and I got no fulfillment whatsoever. Yeah. And um, I want to add two things to this. So uh, one, the first thing is that, you know, make sure that your idea of success is actually your idea of success, not mm. someone else's. Um, and the second thing is really important. And I've just forgotten it. Um, <laughs> Classic. Oh, the, the second thing is, is that uh, social media paints a, a really false picture of it's so easy for you to create a narrative of what someone's life looks like through their social media and it's i mean this is a a a really bad but a really good analogy it's just like being able to spot someone who's natty or not natty yeah like once once you've been around what success looks like you know whether it's true or whether it's just projected just like once you've been around what drug use looks like you know when someone who says there's their natty isn't natty anymore you know, you, you see these signs and there's so often there's this perception that someone is doing really well, but they've just crafted that image through their social media. And so the message that comes with this again is like, don't compare yourself to everyone else because not only is that irrelevant, it doesn't, it's out of your control, but so often the people or the things that you're comparing yourself to are just illusions. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, so interesting when you look at it like that. It, it, I, I mean, again, I'll use myself as an example. People think I'm fucking loaded. I'm not loaded. It just so happens that I don't buy anything. And so all I've been the- to your house. You don't look like you don't live in a house that looks like you're loaded. No, I, like I don't I don't buy shit. I buy two things. I buy steak and I buy shoes maybe once or twice a year. That's it. It's the only thing I buy. Like my entire wardrobe is cost price zero T-shirt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy shit. I don't do anything with my money. And so I've afforded this opportunity to invest the profits of my gym into another gym. And then that's invested mm. into another. Like it's just um, it's that's where my money has gone. But I don't sit around with bucket loads of cash. You know, it's it's just not how it works. And so people think I'm super rich and I'm not. I've got nothing. I've just got gyms. You know, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. It's interesting it's, how how people perceive what other people have, just based on looking at a few things online. Man, I had this conversation with someone the other day. It was like, ah, oh, it looks like the gym's doing really well. I was like, yeah, but that's because I'm pretty good at crafting the illusion on Instagram. Like, well, are you going to craft if, the illusion that the gym's not doing well if it's not doing well? You're not going to like exactly. be at the gym and be I'm like, fuck, gonna- life sucks. Yeah, I'm not going to come out and tell you that, like, I am probably the most disorganized person you'll ever meet. And (laughs) occasionally I have to work till three in the morning because I'm incapable of doing anything on time. But that doesn't make for good Instagram content. Um, And so there is always that illusion of, like, that's what social media is. Like, it it sounds like a contrite fucking, uh, you know, stereotype. But the idea that, like, your Instagram profile is your highlight reel, right? And it's true, but uh, the thing that I I remember putting up a, a little while ago, put up a thing that said comparison, whoever said comparison is the thief of joy clearly hasn't been fat and then less fat. And I like, and I did that over a reel that was like me doing real shitty chin-ups at 140 kilos and then me banging out chin-ups like it's going out of fashion at 115 or whatever, right? And for me, like, I, I still watch that and it gives me fucking goosebumps because I like I get heaps and heaps of pleasure and fulfillment out of looking back at the irrational, immature, arrogant fuckwit that I was and looking at who I am now and being really proud of that transition, right? And that transformation and, and that continual growth. And I think that's where you've got to be able to get your fulfillment from is looking back at yourself and realizing how far you've come. And like, if you're not a little bit embarrassed by the things that you did like five or six years ago, you're probably not growing much as a person because mm. there are decisions I made as a coach five years ago that I would berate a coach who I employed who made those decisions. Like they, there would be a stern talking to about some of that shit. But also that was like part of my evolution as a coach right I, I made these mistakes i did these things and now i'm in a position to know better mm-hmm. uh and so it, it's i think it always comes back to that idea of self-reflection and being able to look back at where you've come from and realize that that's the competition right i heard it described i was watching some ultra trail running documentary thing before i went for a run today because you know inspiration motivation etc um and this guy was like yeah i'm like i'm you know running from me 25 kilos ago it's like well yeah like i am continually trying to prove that 21 year old me was an idiot and be better than he was so i can look back and be like fuck look how far you've come that's pretty cool Mm. but you know there is no destination in this there's no end point like i don't plan to retire from owning a gym i plan to die owning a gym because that's what i like to do and it'll look very different 60 years from now but 
it's still going to be there. It's still going to be that thing that I do. And, and maybe it isn't. Like maybe I'll get to a point where I'm like, no, I'm done and walk away. But for now, the intention's not to stop. It's not to get to X number of dollars in the bank or get to 75 gyms if I want to try and beat Tom. But uh, that's right. I called you Tom. Take it. You got to just deal with that now. Um, and yeah, it, it's one of those things that like I, I can't tell you when that in, end point is because I've never thought about it. I've never mm-hmm. thought about like, oh, well, when I get to that point, I'll be happy. And I definitely made that mistake with powerlifting. Like I, you know, I was chasing a thousand pounds in the squat. That was the thing that was going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I never got there and it didn't make me happy. Uh, but I had a fucking cool time doing it and I mm-hmm. learned a lot doing it. And I learned the lesson of don't chase the outcome, chase the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately what, you know, I think that's what life is, right? Is continually growing and continually developing. And, and what you do in business is just a microcosm of how you live your life. And I think the more you can recognize that it's all connected, the better you're going to be in the long term. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely. Um, I think I'll, I think I'll, you know, my, my two last points on a little bit of advice for, um, you know, up and coming coaches. One would be, uh, what I teach in terms of business is to look at business as being propped up. Like uh, your, your business success is propped up by three legs. It's a tripod of business success. Arm one or leg one, sorry, is the product itself. Your actual coaching. Uh, leg two is acquisition. You know, where are you getting your clients from? How are you getting them? How are you selling to them? How are you marketing? And leg three is administration, which is the systems and structures that um, keep everything flowing so you can deliver on your promises or deliver on your product. And so many of these like messages to coaches really hone in on one thing. Mm. it's like you know you need business skills you have to know how to sell and market it's like well if you're selling and marketing your product sucks <laughs> your business is going to fail you need to have the best coaching possible you can be the best coach ever and if you don't know how to get it to people your business is going to fail get all those things and set but if you don't have the systems and structures to deliver on that product then business is going to fail so um, again it comes back to this experience thing the more that you run your own business in terms of being a coach the more you realize there's a lot that goes into it uh, and you will learn the most through the experience that you get. And then in seeking to improve upon that, there's more than just one thing to improve upon. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I was going to say on top of that, and I, you know, you talk about this a lot, which is we're coaching people. You know, the most successful trainers, let's, let's remove the word coach, are PTs because PTs are really fucking good at hanging out with people. They're really good at listening to people, at adapting their personality to match the person that they're with so they can hang out on the same level. If you want to be a successful coach, recognize that you are working with people and you have to develop your people's skills, which often means taking your coaching expertise and putting that secondary to just interacting with people. Man, I like I've done whole coaching sessions where it's like, oh, cool. We did one set today and like the rest of the time. We just talked and I'm like, yeah, cool. I was a poorly paid therapist, but that person didn't stop coming back. Like Mm -hmm. they kept coming and occasionally it's okay to provide a training session that isn't the ideal optimal training session for that person. Cause sometimes that's not what that person needs. What that person needs is someone to just listen to them vent for a little while. And like, yeah, I like, I'm not a therapist and there's definitely a point at which you need to tell the person you're not a therapist. Um, but so much of this, as you say, is about your ability to communicate 
the message to the person and to get onto their level and be able to have these discussions at whatever level they're at. And, you know, that I think is the, the true representation of mastery of an idea is being able to scale your discussion from complete beginner child to really advanced elite level athlete and everyone in between. And, and until you have a good understanding of what you're doing, why you're doing it and how you're doing it, having those conversations can be really hard. And we all went through this with like the first time you coach someone and you're like, okay, well, this is how you squat. And they did it. And you're like, that's the worst fucking squat I've ever seen. And then you try every squat cue you've ever thought of and you still can't get them to squat. And then you go home and you're like, God, that guy was so shit. I can't believe he's such a shit client. And then like about 10 minutes later, you go, fuck, it's not the shit client. It's the shit coach. Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's the ability to, to make those connections and to be able to, to have those discussions and to scale things in a way that meets the person that where you're at. I think that's always going to be the most important skill. Uh, you can learn every little thing you want about the perfect angle to do your lat pull downs on or the perfect way to set up your bicep curl so it improves your shoulder mobility or the perfect training load scheme or any of that shit. None of it matters if you can't tell a good story and have a conversation with someone. Mm. I had this discussion. I was just going to say, I had this discussion with my girlfriend the other day. I said, I've been thinking about it recently. And like, when you boil it down, what I do for a living is tell stories. I'm a storyteller. And like, I look back on my life and like, I have for a long time been a storyteller. Like as a teenager, I can tell good stories. There are stories in our friendship group that my friends just don't tell. If we're in a group with a new person, they all just defaulted letting me tell the story. Cause I tell good stories. Cause I like telling stories. And it's just the stories I tell these days are related to fucking training, lifting weights and other shit like that. But that for me is also, that's how I tell stories about life because it's such a huge part of my life and has been the most overwhelmingly positive influence on my life has been the nearly 20 years I've spent training. And for me, it's now just about helping other people find that passion for something. It's less less and less it's about finding the passion for training. It's more and more about using a, a training vehicle to find a passion for something in life. That's mm. no, super cool, man. Super cool. All I, all I was going to say in the middle there um, was the fact that, you know, th- this is the, the stark contrast between in-person and online coaching. You know, online, online coaching is far more uh, sterile in a lot of ways. In-person coaching, when you're in an hour session with someone or even 45 minutes, there's, if you, if you took a snapshot, if you a- added a tally of the time you actually spend coaching, it'd be less than 10 minutes. Yeah, it'd exactly. be v- very, very, very little time is yeah. spent talking about bracing, talking about shoulders once you're doing this consistently with someone you know first session absolutely lots of information first few sessions lots of information once you get into a rhythm very little coaching happens it's a lot more just like you say hanging out and telling stories and you have to be able to you have to be able to hang out on that level if you're going to be building a business around this yeah man i think that's a good place to leave it love it give us five stars all that jazz we love you goodbye bye